My name is Randy Howell, and you're listening to the Faith and Fishing Podcast. Welcome to the Faith and Fishing Podcast. I'm Cam. And I'm Robert. In every episode, we're bringing you faith stories and fishing memories from some amazing members of the fishing community. So join us as we shed a positive light on all things faith and fishing. Hey y'all, welcome back to the Faith and Fishing Podcast. I'm Cam. Hey, and I'm Robert. And uh, it's just gonna be us this this week. We've got some we got some really good things to talk about. We're gonna talk about our scariest moments on the water and kinda kind of a our version of a of a holiday or a Halloween special, I guess you could say. But before we do that, um, we got a couple other things we wanted to talk about. But um uh, Robert we didn't do it last week, so I wanted to to hit it this week. Have you done any fishing since we last talked? <laughs> um, so you know what I did? I fished today actually, and uh, I went over to the work pond and on the first cast on a wacky rig, I got it back to the edge. Of, of course, I was on, I was bank fishing, so I'm reeling it back towards the uh, you know the growth on the edge and. About the time I was about to lift the wacky worm out, a nice, probably three and a half pound bass came and took a swipe at it, and he got my wacky worm, but no hook. And but I, I mean, it was three feet from me, and the water right now over there is pretty clear. And you know, the old wives' tale of the first cast deal held true, and I didn't get another bite the whole time I was over there. So uh, next time. I'm not really a big believer in that. So I never do like the old, the fake one cast because I mean, does that really work? You know, a lot of people are like, Oh, let me get this first cast out of the way. And they just dip it in by the boat or wherever you're at and dip it back out and then cast. And they think that's cast two. But really, I think that second one is really your first one because you're not really fooling anybody with the dipping it in the water type deal. So, but uh besides that that's that's all i've done what about you <laughs> no <laughs> um i i said that more as a joke um i forgot about the work pond there for a second uh-huh. uh, because we just uh finished up our episode with sean lavery like uh two nights ago two I nights, think it was. Yeah. so um we uh we ran a little late last week in recording so we're we're still in the same boat that we were last last week for yep. the most part. Um, it's interesting that you brought that up. That would be a good topic for us to cover sometime. Is uh, is uh, fishing super superstitions? Right. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, the whole banana thing gets me too because I mean, I love bananas, and you know, but I mean, I don't take them on the boat or on my kayak. But like I have them in my truck and I eat them before most of the time, like especially if I'm camping, I'll take two or three bananas and have them for breakfast just because it's easy. But I mean, does that really count? You know what I mean? I mean, is that really giving you some bad boat? All right. Exactly. I mean, it's in you and you're it's in you. Right. That was my thought, too. Like, so who knows? I mean, maybe that's the whole key of why I suck at fishing is because I'm eating bananas before. (laughs) 
Um, yeah, that would be a good episode for us to do because I have a lot to say about it and we want to take this episode in a whole different direction. So I won't yeah. go too crazy into it. <clears throat> uh, before we, uh, before we get too far into things, I wanted to, uh, to give a couple of shout outs first. Um, whenever in late August, I went to uh, Washington DC with my family um, and I really didn't pay much attention to podcasts or anything while I was there. And I tried to get caught up on, uh, on podcasts whenever I got back, but I missed one and I don't know how this slipped under my belt or under my nose. Um, it just completely caught me off guard last week on the podcast. Whenever Robert said that he was, he did, he did an episode with, uh, Armando. I don't know if he said it on air or, or afterwards, but, uh, Go check out, it aired on August 28th, uh, Bass Kayak and Beers, the real life segment uh, with our very own Robert Randolph um, talking about kayak fishing spotlight. And they did a really cool episode of kind of buy or sell on different ideas in kayak fishing um, and kind of different hot topics at the time. So uh, definitely go check that out. Um, and uh I will. I, I just got finished with the episode today. I'm. I'm going to share it uh, on social media um, uh, this week sometime. I didn't want to do it on the same day as like we did the social media for our episode. I didn't want it to get. Uh, I didn't yeah. want one to fight with the other. But, um, but yeah. So y'all go check that out. It was a really awesome episode. Robert did us proud. Yeah, it was good. I I, I enjoyed that, and it's good to be on the other side answering some questions and um you know i listened to um armando's and and dan's uh podcast and uh, try to catch those every week I, I do miss them now too um that i'm not mowing as much grass but um you know and i even uh have got back into some of the paddle and fin of course you know those guys are kind of splintered off from where they were a couple years ago and few of them went different directions, Armando, Dan, and then, um, you know, some other guys doing their own things now, but, um, <clears throat> you know, really, you know, people don't realize, and this is not to toot our own horns. It's, it's kind of a thank you to everybody else that kind of does or what we do in, in their own ways. And whether that's podcasting or even Instagram and especially YouTube, especially YouTube with all the editing that goes into those videos and the, the average person who is, is probably consuming these has no idea of the back end work that it takes, um, you know, to keep things like that going. And there's just the commitment of, you know, the weekly time commitment to get that done. And uh, so hats off to all those guys and gals that are putting content out because it definitely, you know, I do watch regular TV every once in a while. If it's m most of the time, um, it'll be a sporting event or me and my wife like to watch Yellowstone. We'll, we'll watch that if a new one comes out. But other than those two things, I'm, I'm pretty much, I'll pull something up on YouTube and it's not always fishing content. I like other stuff that's on there too, but you can kind of pick and choose what you want to watch. If I, you want to watch somebody treasure hunting, Man, there's endless hours of it. If you want to, I've, I've got into a few channels of uh, kayak camping and these people that are doing like 15, 20 mile runs and maybe camping for three or four days and doing seven to 
eight miles a day and then, you know, camping. And that's a pretty cool um, avenue. And those uh, those guys and girls get lots and lots of views. A lot of people interested in outdoor survival stuff. And I think last year I got on a kick of um, these people that go into – Alaska and they build a, you know, they're build a lean to or something and spend a week, you know, living off the land or survival stuff. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff out there. So, um, you know, I enjoyed that podcast and I'm just glad people are, you know, glad we have the technology that we have and we can kind of dial up whatever we want to watch or listen to. It's pretty, pretty cool time to be alive. Absolutely. And, uh, and Armando, if you're listening, I heard at the end that you wanted to have both of us on at some point. Um, you've got Robert's number. I'm pretty sure you got my number go ahead and hit us up. We're, we're ready for you, man. Um, but yeah, I also wanted to give a shout out to, um, and I hope I'm not going to butcher this name, but I probably am, uh, Darren Naday from Iowa. So, um, I haven't really said anything about it on the podcast, but, um, f- a few months ago, Spotify, um, for podcasters, which is the platform that I use to, to, uh, get the episodes posted, um, is, uh, they, they added this like interactions, uh, section to the podcast and you can do a poll or you can do just open-ended questions, um, and I started just, I didn't really say anything about it. I just started doing it and just to kind of see if, if anything came out of it. Well, on our episode with, uh, with Christine Fisher, I asked, where is home to you? And Darren today um, answered with Iowa. So um, thank you for listening, Darren, and uh, appreciate you interacting with us, brother. Um, so, yeah, if y'all, uh, if y'all, uh, or just want to kind of give your thoughts or feedback. That's one way to do it. You can also, you know, do that on social media. We don't really plug our, our uh, social media very often on the podcast, but um, you can, uh, you can, you can do that. I guess we do. Cause it's in the, uh, it's in the Mr. B ad, but <laughs> um, yeah, it's but, probably down on the show notes too, but you can find us if you just go on Instagram Type in Robert Randolph, Cam Steele, it will come up. Or uh, faith, a combination of faith and yeah. or fishing, you can probably yeah. find us too. Um, so anyways, shout out to Darren for that. Um, we we do try to, to focus more on positive stuff, and we kind of get caught up in the, the negativity and the gossip sometimes. But um, I came across this article – today i mean it's it's also from late august so i mean it's it's not new news or anything but i wanted to give a shout out to this kid a 14 year old kid named connor halsa um from uh from north dakota uh he was on a he was on a trip um he went uh, he was fishing for walleye. So here's some good news coming from the walleye scene. Um, seems like the only news I've ever heard from the walleye scene had, we got weights and fish, but, um, but he, uh, he ended up hooking a, a wallet 
on his trip. Um, he was he was uh, dragging a, a a lure and or drifting with a lure and and hooked a wallet. It was two thousand dollars cash in the wallet, and he this fourteen year old wanted to return the money. Um, so there was no kind of ID or anything in there. So what they did was they they found a um, a business card with a man's name on it. They reached out to the man, and the the man knew who the wallet belonged to. So um, I don't know if there was some other kind of like identifying marks or or uh, business card related type stuff, but he knew who the wallet belonged to as a as a farmer. And so they reached out to the farmer. The farmer tried to give them the money from the wallet um, as a reward just for being the kind of people that they are. They, they wouldn't do it. So he took them out to, he took them out to lunch and, um, and gave them a, like a, a customized uh, cooler. Uh, but that's just a cool, cool story. Um, the wallet had been, um, been in the water for about a year. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's crazy. And so the, the money was still in, in decent shape apparently because they were able to count it. But what gets me is that business card. They were still able to get some information off of yeah. it. That is a quality business card. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I mean, that's a that is a good story. And uh, I mean, since we're we're we really didn't even plan about talking about good stories, but since we're talking about good stories, um, I just read something that was maybe a couple hours ago. I, I'm pretty sure it was on Facebook, but. Um, I know she cross posts most of her posts, so I'm sure it's on Instagram too. Um, and it's, uh, it's not just a post, but it's a video of an interaction that Christine Fisher, who we had on the show a couple of weeks ago, is an interaction with her while she, I think it was from the Susquehanna tournament. I, I'm, I may be wrong about that because I didn't really investigate where it was at. Uh, and, and maybe at, now after thinking about it, maybe it's not at the Susquehanna, um, because it was a boat and there, you don't see very many boats when you're on the Susky. So, um, it may, it was a different lake, but anyway, she's catching smallmouth and a boat pulls up and she very politely, you know, is just having a conversation. It was like, yeah, you know, I, I'm fishing right here and, you know, she says it way more eloquently than I can, but she basically says, you know, your boat's right where I'm fishing and the fish are right under it. And, and, you know, you're probably going to scare them off by being there. And the guy is already trolling and has conversation, a little bit more conversation, but the whole time he's keeping on moving, he moves on off and does that. But her approach to that whole situation was not negative. And if it were me and I was in a tournament, I probably would have approached that with like, Hey dude, what, I mean, what are you doing? Can't you see I'm fishing here or something like that, which would have started that whole interaction off interaction off way differently than the way that she approached it. And, you know, it's just good to see people highlighting some stuff like that. And I made a comment on there. I was like, Hey, what a great approach and even better on you for posting this because a lot of times all we see is the lady, the, you know, the lady running out on the dock. You can't fish here. You know, this is my dock. You're going to hit my boat. And, and, you know, angler confrontation with another boat because they're on the same spot. People want to get those clicks in. But 
you know, if more people posted stuff like that in the right way to interact with people and more times than not, you know, I would say interactions like that are going on. Um, maybe not a hundred to one, but more times than not, if you have communication skills, it, you can get a positive interaction and get things resolved without a lot of the stuff that we see and, that stuff that we see and click on and like to watch. And I get sucked into it too, but um, you know, that's, it, that's not what's happening most of the time. So I thought that was really cool that she's kind of spotlighted that and posted that video and, you know, said that she had emailed the guy and the guy had emailed her and, and uh, you know, after this is afterwards, you know, he kind of looked her up to see, I guess who she was. And, you know, um, so you know, not only, you know, probably got a, a new follower or, a, you know, a new subscriber for her or, you know, somebody to communicate with about whatever lake she's with because the guy was, you know, obviously pulling up on the same fish that she was already on. So he probably knows a little bit what he's doing anyway. But um, anyway, I just thought that was a cool interaction and um, cool of her to share that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. Well, let's... um. Let's uh, let's thank a couple sponsors, and then we'll kind of move on into some of the meat and potatoes of the episode. Sounds good. Mr. B Lure Company is making high-quality handcrafted lures and has been for 30 years right here in the U.S. Using all-metal components, owner and gamakatsu hooks, and silicone or frog hair skirts, Mr. B is pumping out some awesome spinner baits, jigs, buzz baits, underspins, and more including some of the most unique bladed jigs on the market. To fill up your tackle box, go to mrblurecompany.com, that's mrblurecompany.com, and use promo code FAITHINFISHINPOD1X10 at checkout to save 10% on your first order. That's FAITH the letter N, FISH the letter N, P-O-D, so FAITHINFISHINPOD, just like our Instagram handle, 1X10. Get Outdoors Pedal and Paddle is one of the largest canoe, kayak, and cycling retailers in the southeast with a huge selection of kayaks, canoes, bikes, and all the accessories needed to experience paddling and cycling comfortably and safely. Get Outdoors helps to expand and educate the paddling community through their free demos held on local lakes in the Greensboro, North Carolina area and through in-store clinics and on-the-water courses and demos. And we'll even get your new boat rigged up for kayak fishing for you. Stop by the shop in Greensboro, North Carolina, or check out shopgetoutdoors.com to be wowed by their selection. All right. And so um, hopefully hopefully things are going to be a little bit smooth on the listener's end. Um, on my end, I'm getting a lot of lags and, and freezes and cutting in and out. So hopefully that's not on everybody's end. But, um, but anyways... So I was listening to a, a podcast today <clears throat> and Chad Hoover said that whenever you have something that is like the draw for your episode, you always play it last. So we're going to tease the, the scariest moments again and then move on to something else again really quick. But, um, we're going to try this out, see how it works. But um, we wanted to kind of expand on a conversation that we almost got sucked into at the beginning of the episode with Sean Lavery. Um, and that's kind of the, 
the state of, of bass fishing tournaments um, from the boat side and from the kayak side and just kind of how things are going there. Um, and the big news right now is the the news from the MLF. We talked about it a little bit last week. Um, so going back to the every fish counts, um, which you and I both agreed, we, we were kind of on board with that, but we also kind of were, uh, felt like that wasn't really the thing that needed to be fixed. But I listened to the episode um, this week from Tackle Talk, um, and he he talked about it. And he brought up a really good point. And this is the third time in, what, four years that they have done a major change to their um, to their um, format. Format. And that is not a good look. Um, and then the other thing that he brought up was, uh, you brought it up too, but shaving their their roster from 80 spots to 50 spots. Um, so, uh, and kind of the, like, you, you pull all of these anglers away from Bassmaster with all of these promises. Mm-hmm. And then four years later, five years later, you fire half of them. And MLF is just doing a lot of things here lately that just, I don't know that they are going to be able to compete with the NPFL. Um, Because Bassmaster is, is the elite. They have proven that, um, they lost every single all-star they had almost and in one season and were still the the top dog that season. So Bassmaster is top dog, but NPFL is kind of coming up and they are doing a lot of things right. And I don't I'm starting to get to the point where I don't really see a future for MLF for much longer, man. Um if they keep operating the way that they are now, uh, I totally agree. Um, but they will continue to be successful until they start losing some top names. If they were to lose Wheeler or Connell, and it's not because, well, I mean, Wheeler wins a ton. Connell wins uh, his fair share, but, uh, both of those guys are entertaining, especially Connell. Like I could sit there and watch him fish and talk all day long because I think he's just, he's a character. And, you know, I've, I watched both of their YouTube channels, probably Connell's more than Wheeler's, but I used to watch Wheeler's a lot too. Um, and I, I, I would watch this, their footage of the same tournament. And, you know, the footage of the stuff that they're doing at the house from different viewpoints. I, I don't know. I've said that on here before. I like to see those different viewpoints from different people putting out videos of the same thing. I don't know. It's kind of it's cool to me. But if <coughs> excuse me, if they were to ever lose, you know, a couple of those top guys, they're done. Um, well, there's no doubt. <clears throat> Another thing is, you know, in years past, they've they've done a lot of things that have like directly competed with Bassmaster. Like they'll, they'll put, they'll put a tournament on the same lake within that time frame that it, you can't fish both. 
they'll they'll do certain events and stuff at the same time that the Bassmaster Classic like Expo and stuff is at. So these guys that have sponsor obligations, like they're like, you can't go to Bassmaster because that's Bassmaster kind of thing. Um, and I mean, it's a pay to play sport right now because their promise of no of of no entry fee fell through. Um, so it's like you're you're treating them like 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 they're they're players on a team that you own, but they're paying to play. Yeah, and so there's just a a lot of things going on with MLF that I just don't agree with. And, um, and yeah, you know, Kevin Van Dam just retired. Um, you know, they've got, they've got, they still have big names, but we're at that point where it's like, man, they, they've got to start doing some things right. Yeah, uh, being different in your format with every fish counts is just not enough. Yeah, well, it's just like any, it's just like any other tournament organization or any business, any company. Uh, you know, you take you know anything in life. If the leadership begins to fail and not come through and do what they say they were going to do, that organization at some point is going to fail unless that unless that is corrected. So, if you you know, don't follow through or you keep making changes or, you know, the things that they're doing and changing the format every time at some point it's people are going to lose trust in that whole system and lose trust in the leadership. And then people will start leaving. Now, some people saw that the first year, some people are like, Oh, wait a minute. This dude is not going to be doing what he said he was going to be doing. And people started going back and requalifying through the elites. And you're going to see some people switch over to the MPFL. And I'm, I'm glad for it. Um, you know, I sat on here like three weeks ago, you know, those guys were the first ones to have that, you know, really nice split screen with the anglers um, explaining what they were doing with the live scope. I got a kick out of watching all that footage. Um, but I, I enjoy watching those tournaments um, you know, the thing that leaves me scratching my head um, is, you know, I don't really blame them for making the anglers pay, even though one of the draws was, you know, if you come over here, you're going to be a true pro athlete and you're not going to have to to pay entry fees, which which that drew a lot of people mm-hmm. over. Um, but it's not like everybody else isn't paying as well. I mean, you pay for the MPFL, you pay for the elites. It just, that's the way this game is set up. Yeah. It's so, just, it's just going back on that promise that. Yes, runs you the right. Wrong way. And I totally agree with that. But my point in bringing that up is let's take a Hobie BOS and um, let's take it uh, in 2022 when they were maxing out at 200 and you're taking 200 guys that are paying whatever the entry fee was then i think it was around 165 something like that you're taking 200 guys that are paying 165 so basically these 200 guys are putting all this money in for the top how many ever to cut checks to keep this to 
keep this trail going because you look at the leaderboards and who's winning those tournaments and who's in, let, let's just say who's in the top 50. It's a lot of the same names, but that trail is going around different places. And if it goes to Santee, there's at least 75 North Carolina guys who are jumping in this thing. And most of them, not all, because there's, there's some guys that do really well on Santee that are from the Carolinas, but most of them, are just fishing it for the experience. And, you know, that's how that this trail is, is funding the paychecks for these guys that are catching checks. So my point in bringing that up is, okay, these guys are paying. And if I'm going to go from 80 anglers to 50 anglers or 45, whatever that number is going to be, then Wait a minute, because now if I'm Wheeler or I'm Connell and I'm one of these dudes that's winning all the time, I'm like, hang on, because now I don't have 30 other people to pull their money from when I get my paycheck. How is this? How are, how is the economics of that going to work out? And are they going to be paying more to have that same payout? You know, because you can only get so much sponsorship money, especially when you're doing boneheaded things like the MLF is doing, sponsors are going to start pulling away from that as well. That's a good question because they also are moving from $100,000 first place payout to $130,000 first place payout. Mm. So they're, they're going to be doing bigger payouts with fewer people. You're right. Are they going to be bumping up those those entry fees. Yeah. And I, maybe they have a plan to make that money up on the backside somewhere. They think it's going to come from TV, it's not coming from TV because yeah. if you're going to every fish counts, that is a lot of forward facing sonar. And that is exactly what fans don't want to watch right now. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, we just kind of have to see how it plays out. And I, I don't, I mean, I'm going to watch whatever's on if MLF is on and I'm going to see who's leading or whatever. And if it's somebody I like, this got a camera in their boat, um, you know, for the elites, I'm going to watch that. And I judge it more on who's got the cameras in their boats and whether I think they're entertaining or educational angler as to where they're fishing from. You know, I like all the fishing formats. I don't care. Um, you know, the other, the only thing that is frustrating is the whole Cayuga deal and, you know, not, I mean, they should just owned up that, Hey, we, we messed up on this deal and there were fish caught, there were caught multiple times and, you know, punishment should have been handed out. Fish that were fish that, that they were unhooking in the water because they didn't want the camera to see it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I saw that. I mean, that's well, and the way that fish came up, it was definitely snagged. I mean, um, I think that's the one that you're talking about, but, uh, you know, I, I just, Bassmaster is the king of the hill because it has all of the history. And when, you know, you're, you're quite a bit younger than I am, but I mean, Bassmaster was the only game in town. And I mean, that's just what you tuned into because that's all the fishing. Unless you wanted to watch, you know, Bill Dance or Roland Martin, um, you know, that's the only tournament fishing that you were going to watch is, is, you know, Bassmaster. 
but um you know I, I don't know i don't know where mlf goes from here really i mean I, I i'm interested to see how this plays out the rest of this year on into next year in the off season to see kind of what happens with who's going to leave and who's who's there's going to be some of these anglers that aren't even going to give this a chance they're going to be like you know what i'm out of here if they can figure out how to make a living you know not doing what they're doing um and that's the other thing is you know you you tie people's hands because now they've signed sponsorship deals because you know they're mlf angler and so they're kind of have their hands tied and it's a tough position to be in i mean it's for sure everybody thinks they want to be a professional angler it's it's a I don't know, man. The emotional roller coaster that all those guys go on is is kind of crazy. I tell you, if if I'm if I if I know that there's a solid chance I'm not going to make the cut, like I know that I'm not the top twenty five percent. So there, there's that possibility I'm not going to make that that fifty angler cut. I'm leaving this year, and I'm I'm going to the EQs for Bassmaster because I know that's where a lot of those anglers are going the next year and Bassmaster only takes nine from the, from the EQs. Well, if you can afford to do that, if you can afford you, to do it. Yeah. I mean, you, you may be stuck because you've already signed sponsorship deals until that contract runs out. You may just have to suck it up and fish it, even if you know you're not going to make it. And then, you know, let your sponsors know that, Hey, this is what I'm doing. You'll have some people that stay, some people that jump ship as far as sponsorship wise. But, um, you know, everybody that's fishing a pro circuit has sacrificed a ton to get there. And unfortunately, some of those guys are going to have to repeat that painful process. And and they sacrifice a ton just to just to stay there. I mean, just you think about what those guys do traveling around, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, traveling away from their families and just the time spent. And we talked about it a little bit off air before we even came on, you know, with uh, some of the younger guys that don't have families and, um, you know, don't really understand true um, life responsibilities other than themselves. I mean, it's obviously it's a responsibility to take care of yourself, but when you start putting uh, wives and kids and, uh, those things in the mix, uh, you know, that changes the game. So, uh, yeah. you know, I feel for those guys and I, you know, hope that yeah. it, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how, to see how it works out and who stays where and, and all that. Yeah. Um, Andrew at Tackle Talk brought up a really good, he, he, he made a really good point with, you know, there's going to be, um, you know, 30 of probably the 200 best anglers in the country. And there's a solid chunk of that 30 that probably is never going to be, never going to be fishing professionally anymore. They're going to be having to go find another job to, to make ends meet. And, and that's, that's rough. Oh yeah. Oh, there's no, there's no doubt, you know, but you know, you also, I also think that some of them will jump in kayaks as well. Um, Maybe. I, I think that that's a possibility. I mean, you look at the investment and, 
you look at the difference in it, they already have the knowledge and the skill set and, and it is a little difference in it, but, um, you know, the ROI on kayak fishing tournaments, if you can fish and you can get in the top 20, uh, is a lot better than the ROI on, you almost have to win or you have a, a second or third place to make money. You know, the further you get down the line, obviously, um, you know, you're a lot of times you may cash a check, but you lost money on as far as your travel and everything with boat, gas, pre-fishing, all the lodging. Um, whereas kayak fishing, a lot of times you, your expenses are, are going to be lower than, you know, boat fishing, but, um, yeah, that'd be interesting to see if, if, um, you may get some anglers that are, you know, I, I don't think they're going to quit fishing out of boats. I think they're still going to do turns. You may see them jump in some kayak tournaments. I don't know. I think it's cool. I like it when, uh, Greg De Palma fishes, uh, Iconelli, um, Jordan Lee will dabble in it every once in a while if it's a native event or something like that. But, um, you know, I like it when those guys dip their toes in and, uh, it's kind of fun to see where they stack up at versus some of these guys that are, you know, strictly kayak anglers. Um, and I think, I think they get surprised too. I, I was listening to the bass, um, the KBN with, uh, Greg DePalma on it from a few weeks back. And, uh, you know, I think he was surprised that how good the competition was. Um, so that'll be interesting to see as well. You know, I hope some people jump into NPFL. Um, I hope MLF figures it out. Um, because I, I, I want it to be successful, but if they keep making changes like they have at some point, it's going to just fold up shop. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, was there any, any other tournament talk you wanted to hit? I um, think we squeezed everything we could get out of that one. Yeah, I think so too. The, uh, you know, I'm still waiting for the, uh, the Hobie schedule to come out. I think that's going to be interesting to see. Um, I, I don't, I saw, um, AJ post somewhere that somebody made a comment about it. He was like, you don't have much longer to wait. So maybe it'll be this week or next week. Um, that the Hobie schedule will come out. But I also feel like there's going to be some rule changes because uh, uh, I won't drop any names, but I know some people are moving away from manpower kayaks and going to kayaks with only motors. Um, and I know some of those people fish the Hobies, so I think they may have some inside information that Hobie might be a – Yeah, that's what I keep hearing. Might be that- – Motors, but we'll they see. Think that that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, uh, Torquedo is one of their sponsors, so yeah, I I hope not. <laughs> personally, I hope that there is a that that there still ends up being a national uh, national like upper echelon trail that is manpower only. Um, I, I think that. I think that that's good for the sport to have that um, that up there, but 
I think. I think the people with with motors are are too loud and complainy whenever they don't get to use their motors. And I think that this the rusty wheel gets the or the squeaky wheel gets the grease and and the from what I have seen, the loudest complainers have been the motor people who don't get to use their motors. And in all of kayak fishing. And so I think that it, it was only a matter of time. And I think, I, I think you're right. I think that it's probably going to happen this season. I just hope that it does not. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think it's probably a reaction to the success that um, the bass series has had. And, you know, you had, two really good years of, of Hobie for 21 and 22. And I, I still even think 23 was a good year for him, but the numbers weren't like they were in 22, especially. And I, I haven't compared, but that'd be interesting to me to see how 23 matched up with 21 uh, to see if maybe that, that uh, was uh, maybe the same participation level in those two years. But 22 just hit right after COVID and a lot of people had gotten into kayak fishing and, and that's the year that I fished three of them. And I just wanted to see what all the hype was. And I had a really good time and figured out really quickly that I was some of those people that I was talking about earlier that I was donating my money to, you know, the top 20 basically because I was, I'm not good enough to cash a check in those. And I'm still not because I don't, I just don't have the time to spend on the water like these other um, anglers do. And, you know, the best finish was Toledo Bend. And I actually did have three days to pre-fish actually found fish, um, you know, and, and did fairly decent. But the other ones that I went to, um, you know, Santee, I think I pre-fished for a day, never really found anything. Um, and then the Susquehanna, the same thing. I, pre- I think I pre-fished for a day, never really found anything. You, you almost have to have three days of pre-fishing to compete, but, um, you know, with the success they had in 22 and then going into 23, seeing the numbers drop, seeing the bass numbers go up. Um, I think that they're going to, if they do allow motors, this is probably part of the reason why is they're like, Oh, well motors is what's that's causing more people to go over to bass. And that's not it. In my opinion, that's not what's making people go over to bass. In my opinion, um, it's the same as MLF and, and the elites and the Bassmaster classic, the Bassmaster classic is, has all the history. It is a, bass media machine and that's the same way for the kayak series is people want to um especially in the plus 40 guys or maybe even the mid 30 guys that that's all they grew up with was Bassmaster and and bass and seeing the logo and seeing everybody walk across the stage and the trucks pulling in and it's such a big show that everybody wants to be a part of that. And I think the draw to that and the whole media aspect and the exposure that uh, BASS can give people is why people are going to that. You know, I mean, just I'm, I was sitting here the last two weeks trying to figure out what state can I drive to to fish their championship so I can still have a shot to go fish in uh, Texas 
or Oklahoma. I, I can't remember where it is. It's either Texas or Oklahoma. But it's Oklahoma. Yeah. So I'm still trying to figure out how to qualify from Virginia or South Carolina, but it's on the same weekend as baseball. So I'm not going to do it, even though I would probably not do it anyway. But I'm not. I'm doing that because I want to go to the I want to go to the kayak classic. And to me, it wouldn't matter if they had a motor, or didn't have a motor. And I think that's the draw that people is that's what's drawing people to bass now that it's being run correctly because right. before that draw was there and people were dipping their toe in but it was such a poorly run part of bass that all the kayak guys were like uh, yeah it's it is bass but they're not really paying attention to the kayak guys because they're just want to be a boat thing they're not getting into the kayak they're not even you know they're not even really giving it a fair shake because they're not putting somebody that's putting the time and effort into that trail. Now, Steve Owens is putting that time and effort into the trail, which in turn is like, okay, now let's go do this because we've been wanting to do it. So I think if the Hobie does do that, it's a reaction to that. And that's probably the wrong reason to allow motors because even though I'm a motor guy, like I'd rather fish with a motor than not fish with a motor. But I went and bought a kayak that has pedals because I wanted to fish the Hobies, which didn't allow motors. So if people want to fish it, it's not going to stop them having a motor or not having a motor. There are very few people not fishing that because they don't allow motors. And, you know, that's just, that's a fact. I mean, if you want to fish that, you're going to find a way to fish it. So. Right. Yeah. I, I think in terms of the, the numbers and the, the, the dip and everything, you had a fantastic point on, um, on Armando's show, whenever you were on it. And that's the, everybody went and had to go back to work. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> You said that, and I think I think Armando's mind was blown, and my mind was too. I was like, "Dude, he's right!" Like, because everybody everybody did the the work from home thing for so long, and then and then went uh, this year they've started doing more. Like last year, it was starting to do hybrid type thing. This this year, they started to say, "All right, everybody's coming back." Um, so that was a, that was a really good observation. And I was like, man, he's, he's right. That that probably had a lot to do with it too. Yeah. And that's a, you know, that's a <clears throat> good slash bad, you know, the good part of it is, is it the same? No, but can you still get your tournament fix off of these local clubs? Heck yeah, man. I mean, I had fun that when I went to car Lake two weeks ago and caught one fish, so I didn't skunk. But, you know, sat there and camped out with eight or nine guys from CCKF. And, I mean, we had a big time and uh, went and fished the next day. It poured down the whole day. I didn't care. You know, and, and that to me, it, is, it, is it as much fun or is as exciting? Not quite, but it's for me, it's right there. I like it all. I don't care if it's a dang wildcat Wednesday nighter with 10 people showing up at the ramp. We'll pay cash money. And do it the old school style, bring your pictures back to the ramp and then split the money up. I'm good with all of it. Um, so, 
you know, I think people going back to work probably did hurt the national ones um, a little bit, but I still think that the local clubs is what is making this thing go. And, you know, being able to be a part of those national events and dip our toes in when they come close enough to us. And, and uh, you know, that's what I'm going to do from here on out is just try to make the ones that are close enough to us. Maybe the first bass one that's at Lake Murray. I think that's going to that's going to sell out. I think it's going to sell out pretty fast, too. Uh, I don't know when it opens up, but um, I think that the bass series this next year will sell out quite a few events. I think that people are primed and ready and um, they see what kind of trail Steve is going to run uh, from this year. And I think you're going to see some numbers like Hobie had in, in 22. I think you're going to see that for that, that bass series. And um, you know, for Hobie, I don't, I don't know. You know, mate, you might see the same thing. You might see that tick up again, too. Um, but I don't think you're going to – I don't think you'll see a big jump if they do allow motors. I don't I don't think that's what's going to drive it. I don't think there's this big group of anglers that are pure motor guys, you know, motor guys that are going to be like, oh, yeah, now I'm going to go fish the Hobies because they're going to allow motors. But if you wanted to fish it, you would just go buy a pedal kayak. Um and I may be wrong about that. Maybe you get some of the KBF guys who are kind of fed up with that situation, who have motors that just didn't want to buy another kayak. Maybe you capture some of those guys. Um, and then you have to throw the kayak adventure series in there as well. Um, you know, kind of a different deal, kind of more of a celebration. Um, I think they're going to do fairly well. I think people, um, want to have that vibe of everybody's together. Um, the whole fishing Friday thing, I'm not real sure if that's going to help or hurt them. I mean, cause you're going to have to take a day off of work no matter. Um, whereas if these national ones, you know, if you're close enough, you can pre-fish maybe the week before, if it's not off limits, whatever, and then just drive down Friday after work. You don't even have to take a day off. Um, if you know the lake, if it's somewhere that's closer, like if you lived in Charlotte and it's on Murray, you probably have fished Murray quite a bit. Uh, it's not that far of a drive, but uh, it'll be interesting to see this next year. And it'll be interesting to see Hobie's schedule. And you really hadn't heard a peep out of KBF this whole time about what's going on with them for next year, other than a couple people have said there's going to be some big changes, which... You know, I, I don't even know how right. how you go from four years ago having 600 people at the national championship to this year having 80-something. Um, you know, and I'll leave that at that. Yeah, I, I, they're, they're going through some tough stuff over there. But um, anyways, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's hit the, uh, the title topic of the episode scariest fishing moments. So, uh, this episode I think comes out the day after Halloween. So we'll, we'll talk about the times that we got scared on the water. So, all right, you want to go first? You or me? 
Well, how are we doing this? Are we going to do like different categories of scared or are we going to do? <laughs> um, well, I've got two main ones and they're both kind of the same, um, you know, no tarantulas or anything like that. I mean, mine are both, both kind of the same thing happening two All different right. lakes, two different times. All right. Um, well, what's your first one? Okay. I would say the first one was Falls Lake, uh, maybe 2020. And I think it was a CKA, Carolina Kayak Anglers event. Could have been CCKF. I don't remember. Um, but at Falls Lake, I don't remember what ramp I put in at. Um, started a day hooked a huge drum that day and uh i actually i had just gone back and watched this video like two weeks ago just because it popped up on my feed and that's something funny i find it's funny on youtube because i uh, my own videos will pop up in my feed because um you know i have my regular one that's like me and my old email address but then when i started putting my videos up i started a different channel so my videos from my uh, outdoors to go pops up on um, what what I used to run my lawn care company. Um, so usually that's what I'm logged into. Anyway, I watched the video and I was like, oh yeah, let's let's see how crappy my video editing skills were <laughs> three years ago. And uh, anyway, hook a big fish, fish the rest of the day. I don't really catch. I don't think I caught anything else. And I had gone around this big area on falls that there's a railroad track on one side and a bridge and i had gone all the way around when i got to the railroad track and the bridge i was across from the ramp maybe i'll say a mile from the ramp across the lake and i guess the wind had been picking up some i didn't really notice but to me it went from zero to 60 mile an hour winds in 10 minutes and I'm exaggerating with 60 mile an hour winds, but um, I was still in a sit in ascend H12, which if a, if you know what an H12 is, it's basically a canoe type kayak with hard covers on the front and the back, and it's a sit in. It's basically like a small canoe, and there is so much water coming over the front of this kayak when I'm trying to pedal back or paddle back to the ramp that I thought I was going to sink that day. And I got back and got by a tree line where I was out of the wind and sat there for 20 minutes with, I don't know if it, if I had a sponge in there or it was an extra shirt I had, I had something that I just kept, putting in the bottom of the kayak and wringing the water out over the side over and over. And I finally got enough water where I felt like I wasn't going to tip over anymore and, uh, fish the rest of the day, but it was pretty sketchy. Um, and I would say that was probably my second scariest time. So then I'll let you do one and then we'll go back to me. Okay. Yeah. So I've got, I've got one that's weather related and two that's wildlife related. So the, um, the weather related one, uh, it's 
Lake Crabtree. Um, it was my first time fishing. Um, it might have been my second time fishing it. Uh, it was it was my second time fishing Jackson Orr's catch tournament. Um, and uh, I, I went out Friday night after work. They were calling for some rain to come through. And uh, I had fished fished in the rain and the sun had come out it was drying up um and it was time to start heading back to the to the uh to the launch because they closed the lake 30 minutes before the park closes so i had to be off the water by a certain time so i start heading back and i get to the point in the creek where i can see the main lake and there is a wall of water coming towards me and i was just like So I I look up and I start to paddle through it and I I get there and I can't see so from the from the back of the creek I can't see, or from the from the um from the mouth of the creek I can't see the lighthouse that they have there by the boat dock. Um they don't have a light on the lighthouse that would have been helpful that day. Um but it's it's just a a big red and white um, lighthouse looking thing that they have it where they where they rent the boats uh, and the and the kayaks for for wreck stuff but um, so I start going and uh, one of the one of the buildings um, like uh, if you're facing if, if you're on the lake facing 40 those buildings on the right one of those buildings got hit by lightning and it goes Ooh. Boom! And I, I look at it, and I reach back and I grab all of my rods and I lay them down flat in front of me, and just put my head down and start paddling. And I was paddling into the wind, into the rain, lightning striking all around me, loud thunder booms. And I was like, "Man, I don't, I don't know if these scupper holes are gonna are gonna bail this or not. Like, I don't know if they're gonna be able to keep up. Like, um." And I would I would try to look up to see where I was going, and the like the wind would push all the water into my face from the rain, and I couldn't see anything. And so I was like, "Well, let's just let's just paddle until we hit something, I guess." And I, I paddle, and finally, I finally get to the to the boat launch, and I start unloading. And this guy comes around the corner from Parks and, and Rec and is fussing at me for being there too late, for being on the water too late. And I'm like, man, you see this? I was a mile away when this thing hit. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was, uh, that was fun. Um, definitely one of those times where I tried to film it um, just a little bit to kind of get a – get in kind of show people how how bad the storm was but my uh my video is only two seconds long because the raindrops hitting the screen kept turning the video off (laughs) um so yeah it was definitely the sketchiest water i've been in it was as you can imagine in that kind of thunderstorm extremely choppy you know it was um i've been on the sound on some windy days but that's the that's the only time I've I've dealt with lightning on the water, and I'm prefer not to not to do that too many too many more times. Yeah, the lightning is scary stuff, especially when it's close to you, and you can just I mean you can feel the you know 
the strike and the bass from that thunder, yeah. you know, you can it's, hear the sizzle whenever, oh, it, yeah. whenever it hit, whenever it goes through, you can hear the lightning before the thunder. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> so I thought of, actually, I thought of another one. So my second one that I already had was another weather related and it is on from Toledo Bend in 2022. And it was the, it was a Hobie BOS. And so that Saturday, the first day of the tournament, there were like 20, 25 mile an hour winds coming out of the North. Well, Toledo Bend is a North South Lake that is huge. So as that wind pushes further down the lake, the waves only get bigger and bigger. And you can go on YouTube and, and search that tournament and anybody's tournament footage that day is pretty scary. There's a lot of people with some great video from that day that, um, you know, everybody experienced the same thing. Luckily everybody came out of that safely, but it could have been, um, you know, it could have not went down that way too. But, um, I had found fish on a brush pile that was about a hundred or 200 yards off, um, offshore. And, I knew the wind was going to be blowing, but I think in the morning it was lighter. And then by 11 o'clock, it was supposed to pick up kind of gradually. And uh, so went and fished the brush pile, caught some fish, made another loop, came back around to fish at another time. And the wind had started blowing pretty good, caught another fish. And I would have to paddle over to this island so I could take my picture and stuff. And so I did that paddle back to the brush pile. Well, this time when I went to the brush pile, the wind was content. I mean, every time was getting stronger and stronger. And, um, I only had my, uh, bona fide SS 127. So no pedals, no motor. I was strictly paddling, um, pre-fishing. I had used my motor to pre-fish. So that did help me, you know, eliminate some water. Um, but on tournament day, you know, no motor. So, um, I would get maybe like 30 or 40 yards from this brush pile. And there was only like one stick sticking up that you could see. And it was, I mean, it was tiny stick. Um, so I would get 30 or 40 yards and the wind would be pushing me so fast. I would be going by, I could only get just a couple of casts and there was no, the wind was blowing so hard. You couldn't paddle and hold on it. I mean, you can't paddle and fish. So I was trying to get one cast, let that sink, and then I would flip back to it as I passed back if I didn't catch one. And uh, so I did that, was going past it. I put the rod back in the crate or whatever I had in the rod holder, and I turned and I paddled once to turn the kayak. Well, about the time that I turned the kayak, sideways broadside into the wind because it was at my back and when I turned a big gust of wind came and it was either my body because I'm a bigger guy I think it was my body plus the poles sticking up when that wind came my kayak started going over and luckily I had enough awareness that I felt it and I, I corrected before it got to that point where it was going to go. But 
you know, you go back and you watch that video and you can see the whole thing just go to the side and corrected it, got back. And at that point, um, I was done fishing that brush pile for that day. I didn't go. And I even said in the video, I was like, this is crazy. This is a, 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 a kayak bass tournament. And um, I don't remember the temperatures that day, but it, I think it was, it was the first tournament of the year. So it was probably late February, early March. And the water temperature, I'm sure, was cold. Um, you know, there's a possibility that that would outcome would not have been good if you had tossed your kayak in, in that situation. So that was a super um, sketchy, probably not smart decision-making on my part because the other time at Falls Lake, I don't think it was supposed to be windy. Uh, this time I knew it was going to be windy, and – you know, just that I know there's fish there and I know I can catch them. And it just, you know, at least I was smart enough after that time not to go back out there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That, uh, that's, that's rough, but Hey, it says a lot about the secondary stability of that bona fide that you were able to oh, feel yeah. yourself going and correct it. Yeah. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the boats that have a really solid primary stability don't have that secondary stability. So once they start, they're gone. So mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so my next one, um, it, it was one of those, that it has a, it has a real solid pucker factor, but it wasn't one that I was like afraid for my life or anything. It was just that all of a sudden it was like, got my heart rate going really big. So I, um, I'm in one of the mill ponds that I cut my teeth on and, um, in a cypress swamp. And, you know, everything is, everything is real quiet in the cypress swamp, except for the bugs and the frogs and sometimes the birds. Like it's, it's pretty quiet back there. I had just passed a little, a uh, little John boat. Um, I was in my kayak and I, I just passed a little John boat. He had his spider rig out and he was going fishing for crappy. And I was back in, uh, back in some of the cypress trees and I hear this huge splash and my first thought was oh dude that dude just fell in I need to go check on him because I was like um it came from that direction I was like man I I hope I hope he he did not fall in but I want to make sure that he's okay so I, I get around the the bend and I can see where the the ripples are coming from so I go back in this little cove and um, and there's this big black thing on top of the water and I'm like what is that is that the back of his head and it it turned and looked at me and it was a bear <laughs> dang and like all of a sudden my heart just goes um, and then like and then it just kind of looked at me and then like it panicked and it took off but um it was one of those moments that it was like, Oh gosh, that's not what I was ready for. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is crazy. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll add one more to the mix and this is not really, it wasn't me, but it was fishing and on the water and it was a scary moment. Um, every year, the first week of May, me and, um, four of my buddies go to the coast at Atlantic beach, Moorhead, and we do some offshore fishing and for a long time on that first thursday on the thursday that, that we go down 
we would all pay and we would go out on the bill collector. The bill collector is a huge um, charter boat. Um, you know, that if you want to go and have the best time offshore in Moorhead, you know, look up the bill collector. Those guys are top notch. Um, to me, the best charter boat that runs out of Moorhead. Um, so, but we were going out on that charter boat that morning. So you get there at like, I don't know, five o'clock in the morning, put all your stuff on the boat and you head out. And I think that day he was going out 70 or 80 miles and uh, troll around, do some sport fishing. Um, so we're like maybe 30 miles out. And at that time of the morning, I mean, sometimes you're looking out the back. I was up in the cabin on the couch, just dozing off with my, I had my hat down um, most of the other guys were either sitting in a chair, dozing off. Um, and all of a sudden we hear what sounded like a shotgun going off. I jumped up a couple of the other dudes jumped up. Well, one of the guys that we always go with had gotten up because he didn't feel good. Well, he got up, he went to the edge of the boat. And he passed out and he went all the way backwards and the shotgun sound was his head hitting the deck of that boat. And this is like a, uh, I would, I don't even know to guess probably a 60 or 70 foot sport fisher. Um, You know, it's a huge boat, but he passed out and needless to say, we didn't go fishing. We turned around and had to take him to the hospital. Um, But it, it was some, some type of uh, condition where he just loses like, I guess, blood flow or something. And uh, it's happened a couple more times to him since then, but that was the first time that it, it had happened, I think. But, you know, looking back on it, we talked about it later that day. If he would have been on the very back of the boat and done that, he would have just went into the water and we would, nobody would have ever known. Yeah. Um, Because on those boats, you're not as a, as a passenger, as a guest, you're not wearing a life jacket um, on a boat that's big. You know, on a kayak, I always have it on all the time. But a big sport fishing boat, you're required to have them on board, but you're not wearing it. Right. Um, you know, so, you know, just looking back on it, it was a scary moment. And, you know, luckily turned out the best that it could for that day. For sure. Well, um, my other other wildlife related one was actually whenever you and I fished together for the first time, because I was uh, there's the pond you took me to has some uh, some standing trees in the water and everything, and um, they had what looked like um, oh, I know what you're it, it looked like mushrooms, uh, <laughs> like it. They look like salad plate sized mushrooms with white on top, black on the bottom. And uh, so I was paddling in and around them and casting to the trees and stuff right underneath them and got right underneath one and looked up. And whenever I got to see it from the bottom, it wasn't a mushroom. It was a wasp nest. Yeah. And he's not lying about those wasp nests. Those wasp nests were, I mean, they were as big as plates. It's the biggest wasp nest I've ever seen. And I'm sitting right underneath this thing, and I look up, and I am literally looking at hundreds 
of wasps. Mm-hmm. Like the so all the eggs in that thing had hatched in the larva and everything, done their done their chrysalis and everything, and they had just come out of their chrysalis as full fledged adult wasps. So ready to stay. Uh, the whole bottom of this thing was black from nothing but um but wasps. And it was like you said, I mean they are it was, you know, massive and oh, yeah. it was domed on the bottom. It wasn't it wasn't flat like so they were all this way. And I I I like did a few hard back paddles and then like got got a safe distance and then took my pictures. But I was like, man, if I had, you know, like hit like raise my paddle the wrong way or oh, yeah. flick the rod the wrong way and you would have been going into the water to get away from them. Man, I I I, I wouldn't have wanted to be in the water because I'd have been so swollen. I don't know if I'd have been able to swim. <laughs> Yeah, and I had my life jacket on. I wouldn't have been able to get underneath the water. <laughs> yeah. Well, luckily we didn't didn't hit those. Um, but I've got some pictures of those wasp nests too. Those are big. Um, I mean, goodness gracious, that was that was another one of those times where it was like, I, I am glad that it turned out the way it did. I mean, I don't get, I don't get bothered by nature very much. Um, you know, I, I. Sometimes, like with the bear, I have that that sudden burst of "Oh gosh, oh, it's yep. just a bear. I'm okay." Um, but man, with with there are some times where it's like, man, if you if you hit that the wrong way or get get too close to that, like that could have that could have ended extremely badly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah the the bear story reminds me of this. This was not fishing but we were duck hunting and on the water in a in a 14 foot aluminum boat with the blind on it and i've had this happen twice both times down the cape fear river where we set our boat up set the blind up and we're sitting there you know whatever however early i felt like we had to get there that morning to beat somebody else to where i wanted to be so it was early we probably had like an hour and a half until daylight but I'll sit there in the boat and doze back off. Um, and I hear something coming through the woods because I've got the boat backed up to the woods and the blind looking out over where we're going to hunt. I hear something coming through the woods and a deer jumped in and could have almost jumped in the boat. It had to be like 10 foot from the boat when it jumped into the river to cross the river. And it's happened twice in two different spots on the Cape Fear. And you want to talk about pucker factor. I mean, it scared the crap out of me both times. And I, I heard the deer coming, but you don't think the thing's about to jump in the water. Right. You know? And it just that huge splash. <clears throat> and there's been several other times where, I haven't seen a beaver first. If I see it first, I know what's coming. I know that tail slap's coming. But there's been times, especially if we're paddling in to duck hunt out of the kayaks, that you don't see the damn beaver until he slaps his tail. And sometimes you are right on that sucker. And he just lets it loose and slaps that water with his tail. And that that I've gotten scared of with that a few times, too. Yeah, the... 
the, those guys are loud. Deer, they are not stealthy when they jump in the water. No. Um, I, I've, I've been around them a few times in the kayak whenever they've gone for a swim and they are fast in the water. I'm, I'm surprised by how, by how fast they can swim with the, with those little tiny hooves they got. But, um, another one that always, that always startles me whenever I sneak up on one is the, the great blue herons. Cause oh, yeah. they, they do that pterodactyl scream and, mm-hmm. and, um, you don't, they're super quiet and you don't see them cause they camouflage so well until you're right up on them and you're quiet in the kayak. So get right up on yeah, one, sure. come around the bend or something. You scare each other. Um, but yeah, man, well, that is, uh, that's our, uh, scariest fishing moments we're going to thank our uh thanks sponsors and then we are going to um we we've only done one one commercial break so far haven't we you're muted i said we've been rolling huh have we done have we done more than we i think we only did one i don't know we might have done two I don't remember, honestly. I think we've done two. Okay. I'm looking at them and I'm like, I think we've only done one. So we're going to do a four. A f- four. A four, uh, and four if we seven. doubled up, that's be all the better. That's right. Um, so we will, we'll see y'all in about four minutes. <laughs> Few things ruin your day on the water as bad as losing gear, but with the retrieval devices for fishing rods, action cams, bow fishing bows, and more from Save Your Outdoors, you don't have to let dropping your stuff ruin your day because you can get it back. The pressure sensitive filter keeps water from rain and quick dips in the water out, but it lets water in when your gear goes overboard to release a float attached to your gear by 60 feet of line so you can get it back. Go to SaveYourOutdoors.com to learn more and try some for yourself. And use promo code FNFP15 to save 15% on your order. That's SAVURoutdoors.com and promo code FNFP15. A huge selection and crazy fast shipping is already enough to turn heads as an online tackle shop. But Omnia Fishing sets themselves apart with their ambassador program. With Omnia, you can send in fishing reports for your local lakes that recommend baits, structure, tactics, and gear. And when another angler takes your advice and purchases something from your report, you get credit for it to spend at Omnia. The best part means that with Omnia Fishing, you can shop by lake and purchase baits and gear that are proven to work where you're fishing. To get started, go to omniafishing.com and use promo code FNF15 to save 15% on your first order. If a fly rod is your weapon of choice, check out Atollis. Their fly caddy is the most convenient way to get your favorite flies to the water or just keep them handy by clipping it to your hat, truck visor, backpack, rod case, or just whatever. You can also bundle it up with flies from independent fly tires that Atollis has teamed up with through their Fly Light project. Choose from bundles specializing in redfish, carp, saltwater, or freshwater. 
head over to atolas.co, that's A-T-O-L-L-A-S dot C-O, to get your fly caddy today and use promo code FAITHINFISH15 to save 15% on your order. That's faith the letter N, fish the number 15 at checkout for 15% off. If finesse fishing is your comfort zone, something you want to learn better this year, or just something you like to tie on as a Hail Mary pass, Jade's Jigs has everything you need and more, and it's all eco-friendly and lead-free. With an awesome selection of baits and colors, they've got a variety of techniques covered for you. Finesse Jigs, Underspins, Nico Weights, Ned Rigs, and more are all waiting for you at jadesjigs.com. And while you're there, use promo code FNF10 for 10% off your purchase. That's jadesjigs.com and promo code FNF10 for 10% off. All right, ma'am. Well, that uh, that pretty much is our episode. You want to uh, you want to close this out in prayer this week, man? Why don't you do it? Because I am about to have a coughing spell. I can't stop all of a sudden. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. God, thank you for uh, thank you for this podcast and for this opportunity to to get together and and just kind of talk about you and talk about fishing, uh, kind of share some fun stories and um, kind of uh, give our uh, give our two cents on how things should be done. Um, God, we thank you for uh, every listener of this podcast, uh, and no matter where, when it is that they're listening, I pray that you meet them where they are, give them something that they need. Um, and, uh, if you can do it through, uh, through us, as we, we share this podcast, we, we thank you for that opportunity. Uh, we ask that you, uh, continue to put on a show in our lives and in this podcast and, and through those that are listening, um, and pray that you continue to, um, help Robert and I beat these colds. God, we love you. And it is in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode, y'all. Y'all take care and God bless. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Faith and Fishing podcast. Faith and Fishing is produced and hosted by Cam Steele and Robert Randolph and is sponsored by Savior Outdoors, Jay's Jigs, Get Outdoors Pedal and Paddle, Mr. B. Lure Company, Atolas, and Omnia Fishing. Don't forget to join the Facebook community, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe, rate, and review us on whatever app you're listening on. That's going to do it for this episode. Y'all take care and God bless.